We reiterate our crucial recommendation not to visit nursing homes, retirement centers, or long-term care facilities, as these populations are particularly vulnerable and they rely on us to protect them. I have four uh, goals for Oklahoma. Uh, my first and number one priority is to protect the health and lives of Oklahomans. Number two is to mitigate the impact to Oklahoma's economy. And number three is to position the state to fully recover from this crisis as quickly as possible. Number four, is to continue our desire to achieve Oklahoma's full potential to be a top 10 state. But I know that, that Oklahomans are fearful and anxious uh, in this uncertain times. We're all dealing with a little bit of anxiety. And I just want you to know, we are gonna get through this. Hi, I'm Ben Felder with The Frontier, and this is COVID-19 in Oklahoma, a daily podcast from The Frontier, taking a closer look at the impact of the coronavirus pandemic in Oklahoma. Today is Monday, March 23rd. On Sunday night, Governor Kevin Stitt held a press conference with members of his cabinet to address the latest on the state's response to COVID-19. The Frontier's Cassie McClung is going to join me in a bit to discuss what we heard in that press conference, including the fact that this week the number of tests is expected to dramatically rise, which is likely to also mean a significant increase in positive tests. You heard Governor Stitt in the intro mention his four goals during this crisis. Two of those goals, and maybe even three of them, were related to the state's economy. Stitt is a former CEO and ran on a platform to not only bring business practices to the state government, but to create a business-friendly economy. Last week, Stitt received national attention for visiting crowded restaurants while health officials recommended no longer eating out or gathering in crowds. Since then, several cities in Oklahoma have forced the closure of restaurants and bars, including Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Norman. Governor Stitt has continued to say he wants to protect Oklahoma's economy, and he does not want to force businesses to close. At Sunday's press conference, he did acknowledge that that situation might change. I asked it about his decision, which you will hear in this clip. You will also hear Trey Savage of Nondoc asks it about the line between social responsibility and government action. Governor, any more thought to taking further action to restrict uh, businesses and other cities? Many cities have closed down restaurants and bars, but some say they're not, and some have actually said they're still taking their lead from you. Uh, at this time, no. We're, we're following CDC guidelines, and that is to uh, Stop groups of over 10 or more, and the social distancing that uh, Jerome talked about, uh, that's what the CDC guidelines are, that's what I'm gonna continue to preach. And, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 question, the question is, if you, when, you, when you shut down uh, something, when does it come back? We're looking at modeling, uh, that this could, be, this could go on for a while. We, this may be the new normal, and that's why I'm telling businesses they've gotta innovate. We've got to think about how do we deliver services? How do we go to the grocery store? And that's why I'm so proud of, I've been having conversations with all the grocery store association, the restaurant association. Uh, they're now opening up an hour early for our elderly population, right after a deep cleaning of their, of their facilities. 
And so we just got to be innovative. And we're hearing that all over from the different business communities, and, and uh, that's my message to them. Governor, what's the, the line between social responsibility and, and the role of the government to say, hey, we, we need to not do this here in Oklahoma City and Norman, Tulsa? Executives there have said, we need to close down these certain facilities. At what point does it get to where you have to make that call? I mean, does that well, make sense? Absolutely, but uh, you know we're we're following the CDC guidelines, and let's be let's be clear that our fact pattern is different in our state than it is in New York City or it is in Los Angeles or Chicago, and and we're hearing this stuff on the news and and sometimes reacting to it. Um, we have the epidemiologists who are focused on telling us when our surge will be. Uh, we're modeling those factors. There may be a time that we have to do other things. Uh, that time is not right now. And, um, and again, the CDC guidelines are a recommendation to have uh, groups of, not, not more than groups of 10 or more. And from what I'm seeing, the churches and the businesses are, are doing that on their own and, uh, and being very responsible. And so that's why I'm so proud and that's why I wanna keep reiterating that to the business community, be innovative, keep following the guidelines of the CDC and uh, that's our recommendation at this time. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cassie. How's it going? It's going good. It's been a busy weekend. How have you been? Uh, it's good. It uh, it doesn't feel like the end of the weekend. I think you said this on an earlier episode. It just feels like one long, continuous day, and I think most people are feeling that way right now. <laughs> I think you're right. It's just, you know, it's just been kind of continuous news rolling out, so... Yeah. yeah, but here we yeah. are, ready to start uh, another week, so let's let's get at it, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Well, hey, uh, Cassie, I, I want to ask you about what we heard Sunday evening um, mm -hmm. from the governor about the increase in testing coming. Um, but I just I just played a clip of Governor Stitt talking about the decision not to force the closure of restaurants like a lot of cities have. And a couple times he said he would continue to follow CDC guidelines. But, you know, the Trump administration and more specifically his coronavirus task force has actually recommended that states with evidence of community transmission close bars and restaurants. And that's that's something we have here in Oklahoma now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Stitt acknowledged that many Oklahoma businesses and churches and other organizations are doing their part, but we still don't have a directive from the state. And I guess my question is, um, would a dramatic increase in positive tests change Stitt's mind? And I think that's a relevant question because I think we're expecting to see a dramatic increase this week, right? Right. It seems like, you know, since the more we test, the more positives we're going to see. And, you know, it's hard to say whether an increase will change the governor's mind because, you know, he said this evening there might be a time when we have to do other things. That yeah. time is not now. And there was no clear trigger on when that time might be. So um, I can talk about, though, is, you know, what testing is looking like. So, um, the state has tested about 740, 740 people, and this week, this weekend, this weekend, the state has taken a few steps in an effort to boost the COVID-19 testing capabilities. So, I'll start with the newest information first. Um... We were talking about the press conference this evening. Um, so Governor Kevin Stitt also announced that this week the state should get four mobile COVID testing spots. 
So those will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, McAllister, and the Ponca City area. And that's about all the information we have on those so far. But I can tell you, um, also related to testing, so on Saturday, a lot of testing news this weekend, the governor signed an executive order, well, it was an amended executive order, that allows research labs at OU and OSU to conduct coronavirus testing. And I've been getting a lot of questions about why weren't the universities already doing this? So they couldn't run those tests before because there were state regulations that required certain certification for testing labs. But as now, as long as the state of emergency is ongoing in Oklahoma, those requirements have been waived. So it kind of cleared the red tape to allow them to do this testing. And I can tell you, so at the press conference, we also heard from Dr. Casey Shrum, and she is the Oklahoma Secretary of Science and Innovation. And she's also the president of OSU Center for Health Sciences. So she was able to give some insight on how many people OSU might be able to test. So she said the both of the research labs should be online by the end of the week. So if the labs are running at a maximum capacity, they can test 10,000 Oklahomans. And that's, you know, that's a huge leap because yeah. as of now, there's only been 740 people tested in the state. And OSU's lab can test 2,000 people per day. And they can get the results back within 24 hours. Yeah. So that's a pretty big boost if that all pans out the way um, officials were saying it was going to today. Yeah. And, and just with more testing, we assume is going to be more positive test results. And so I think this is mm -hmm. going to be a really interesting week because on one hand, there may be an explosion of, of positive COVID-19 results in Oklahomans. Right. But on the other hand, that's that's because we're doing more tests, right? So it's not, I mean, mm -hmm. it does signify an increasing crisis, but at the same time, it it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's exploding this week, right? I mean, this is kind of that, that context we keep talking about, that it's kind of the, it's, it's two sides of the coin right here. More testing, more positive results. And so things may seem pretty alarming this week. And, I, and they may exactly. be, yeah, I, I don't mean to downplay that. I mean, you know, no, we, no, I see what you're saying. Because um, I think, you know, a big jump like that you know, it is alarming, but at the same time, what's really happening is we're just getting a picture yeah. of what's been going on all along. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's gonna, the numbers are going to grow as time goes on, possibly. But, you know, if we see a huge jump in cases, chances are they all didn't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think, you know, the, the governor and his press are asking about, um, there's a lot of attention on, and, and is he going to, will he order restaurants and bars to close? Mm -hmm. And there's even rumors going around that the, you know, that the, that the state's, the guard is going to, you know, martial law. I mean, and he actually, I, I've heard those rumors on social media, but he actually addressed them today. He said, Hey, we're not closing down the state borders. We're not, you know, you're not going right. to see the national guard uh, telling you to do things. There's just, you know, a small number of them and they're just here to help. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of concern and a lot of attention from Oklahomans about what action the state's going to take. And so far, it's it's none on that front. But I just wonder if we see by the end of this week that we're hundreds of cases. And I and I don't know um, what what will end up happening. But uh, mm -hmm. it just I feel like there's going to be more pressure on the state to respond to that. I think so. And it you know it is hard to speculate because there's so many unknowns right now. You know we. 
we have 67 confirmed COVID-19 cases in the state. We have, you know, 11 hospitalizations right now. We, we had our second COVID-19 death today. Um, so I feel like, you know, when we saw kind of, we talked about on an earlier podcast, how the governor kind of seemed to switch tones on the, um, a pandemic almost overnight before he declared state of emergency because of pressure from people and more cases showing up and, you know, community spread. So I am wondering if growing numbers might change his mind because he didn't seem completely close to it. I didn't think, I mean, he, he definitely has been shying away from making any kind of statewide lockdown, but, um, because I really think he's wanting mayors to make their own decisions on that. But he didn't seem to say it was completely out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, and he did acknowledge that, you know, the circumstances may change. And I guess where, you know, if you're a critic of the governor on this front, you may be thinking, okay, you said you weren't going to, um, you know, you said you, let's go a week ago or more than a week ago when he, you know, he's tweeting himself and, and restaurants and crowded restaurants and saying, hey, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to tell Oklahomans not to go out to eat until we have a case of community spread. And then we saw a, a, a case of community spread. But when you see that case, it's, you know, you know that it existed before that, right? Before you found exactly. it. Exactly. And so if we get to the end of the week and we see hundreds of positive tests, um, yeah, maybe some of those cases developed over the course of the week, but that's probably giving us a picture of where we're at right now. And so I think mm -hmm. if you're if you're critical of the governor, you may say, well, if he changes his mind by the end of the week, um, the reality didn't change. We just had a, a, a clear snapshot of it. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism has been coming from. Um, because, you know, experts I've talked to, you know, doctors um, and other experts have said that we're always five to seven days behind on our testing results. So the reality of what's going on you know, is obviously not going to be probably reflected in those numbers. And um, people are just really wanting to see mitigation right now. You know, I think a lot yeah. of people are just frustrated because they don't want, you know, they don't want it to get to the point where it's so bad that it seems like there needs to be some kind of statewide restrictions, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, you know, and, and now to, you know, maybe defend the governor a little bit i'm not criticizing mm. or defending it's not my job but if, if play that right. play that role for a moment i mean this is a guy and, and every governor would be concerned about the economy but this is a former mm -hmm. ceo who i who ran on a platform of you know really growing the state's economy uh saving money in the rainy day fund wants to be very business friendly and you know he's entering his second year and he's dealing with the biggest crisis of you know his young tenure now granted every governor right now is dealing with this to some extent um, but I understand the hesitation. I mean, I, I think when last week when he went out and tweeted a picture of himself in the middle of a restaurant, that's kind of a natural reaction from, you know, mayors and governors when there's been a, a crisis or a catastrophe. I mean, you go and you, uh, you know, I think we talked about it, you know, Mayor David Holt has gone, you know, the Louis shooting last year, you know, the next day or, or shortly mm -hmm. after he was eating in Louis with his family and tweeting a picture showing that, you know, I'm going to support these businesses. So I think right. that's kind of the intention there, but this is a different crisis. I mean, it, it doesn't compare to anything. 
Um, but I just think, you know, I so you, you know, sympathetic somewhat. I mean, I guess I, I see where he's coming from. He doesn't want to close businesses. He doesn't want to see the economy retract. And in today's presser, he was already saying that, hey, on my mind, I'm already thinking about how we can try to rebuild the economy after this. Didn't offer any specifics or details, but said that that was one of his goals. Right, right. And yeah, kind of like you said, it's, you know, it's not there's bad outcomes, you know, on both sides of the decision, obviously. And, you know, I won't get into trying to break down, you know, those sides of it. Cause like you said, that's not really my job luckily. Um, but yeah, I think there's been that hesitancy there for him to, um, close restaurants down. And like you said, you know, he did, um, you know, we talked a lot about testing, but the governor look, he is looking ahead, like you said, so he established this task force. It's a, sort of a COVID-19 response task force. And kind of what they're hoping that does is broaden the state's response to the pandemic. So like you said, you know, the governor is not just considering the health aspect of it. He's also looking at the economic impact of it. So you have the health department and the Department of Emergency Management you know, working to respond to the immediate threat. And then you have this gubernatorial multi-agency task force that's trying to look ahead and look at other areas this pandemic could affect, like education and agriculture and businesses. So I think he's trying to bring different stakeholders to the table. But it is interesting because, like you said, you know, him being a business, him, you know, being from business, he is he has, I think, an interesting approach to this that's not just, you know, looking at the health uh, consequences of it. I think he's, like, looking at different areas that other people might not. And, you know, you could argue if that, that's good or bad, but it's it's a different approach, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, even today he was talking about the, the, the desire to find innovative solutions that may carry the economy forward. And I don't know what that is or what that would look mm-hmm. like. I mean, he did talk about some some businesses that are kind of tweaking their model to provide hand sanitizer and, you know, uh, surgical mask, or at least, uh, you know, uh, comparable to surgical masks um, at, at a time when, when health workers are really short on those uh, personal protective equipment. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so a very, very business minded approach from, from the governor. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is, we're in a tough, it's a tough spot because I think whatever happens, whatever bad happens, you're probably going to be able to say you should have seen it coming. Right. And, and hindsight is always that way, but we've talked about it before. We've seen what happened in Asia and in Europe and on the coast and other States. And if we are kind of this, you know, insular Midwestern state, that's kind of on the last uh, front for the virus to hit. I mean, we have a lot of examples in other States of what's working, what's not working. And so whatever happens, I mean, you always get criticized, uh, when things don't end well, but, uh, it just feels like we're going to be able to look back and say, man, should we have seen this coming because we saw what was happening in other places? Right. That's true. And another thing that, um, officials kind of discussed at the press conference today that, um, just kind of caught my attention is that they do acknowledge that there is going to be, and you listen to the, um, press conference too, but they do acknowledge that there's going to be some kind of patient surge, and hospitals. And it seems like they're trying to calculate when that's going to be. And I'm really curious to see how they're doing that and, you know, how correct they are in guessing 
when that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they talked about modeling and trying to kind of, you know, predict. And, you know, I actually asked a question like, what's like, what do you think? What's your ballpark? What, what's mm-hmm. your guess? And I didn't expect them to give a specific number and they didn't, but they did refer to the fact that they're, they are kind of, kind of modeling. And so, so it'd be, yeah, it would be interesting to know what those numbers look like and what their, what their estimates are and how that's influencing their, their decisions right now. Right. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, we go back to those 10,000 patients being tested for COVID, whether that will, you know, make the decision. I'm sure it'll give the state a much clearer picture on where we actually are with the virus spread. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, mean, I hope we get to the end of the week and we, you know, we don't have hundreds of cases, but just assuming that's going to be the case because we're ramping up mm-hmm. testing. Um, I think one thing that's going to be interesting to watch is geographically where are these cases popping up. And, and a lot of that's going to be determined on testing, but if we have mobile testing sites in different quadrants of the state and, and, and we're increasing the ability in all parts, um, you know, we may have a snapshot of where this, of where the coronavirus is really hitting Oklahoma the hardest. I mean, right now with, you know, fewer than a hundred cases, it's, you know, they're kind of scattered. They're in a clump of counties, but you know, if we see, you know, 300, 400, 500 cases, we're probably going to see some, some clumps and maybe we see some from a nursing home or, or, or our hospital or a school or, or whatever it may be, but I think we're going to get a, a better geographic picture in some ways of where of where this is hitting Oklahoma the hardest. Right. Yeah, that's another thing I'm, you know, I'm sure everyone's really interested in is seeing, you know, I think in a lot of states, those, you know, they have the hot spots have been in nursing homes and in cities. So it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma kind of falls with the trends and seeing now, you know, if, higher cases in Oklahoma County and Tulsa County. And I think um, Cleveland County had a handful as well. Yeah. Well, one of these mobile testing sites is going to be like you reported in Ponca City or in the area of Ponca City and mm-hmm. K County. And K County has seen a few cases and, and K County wouldn't necessarily be the obvious place to put. Uh, if you only have four of something in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Tulsa makes sense. But, you know, Ponca City is mm-hmm. not necessarily the top of the list to put something there. So, that, you know, maybe that indicates that health officials feel like, you know, that's definitely a part of the state that needs needs a lot of attention. Yeah. And that's really that's an interesting point you bring up because I hadn't really mapped it out until, you know, you brought it up just now. But, you know, putting one in Tulsa and then K County and then Oklahoma um, and then McAllister it just seems like there was some intentional placement there, yeah. you know, so I'm I'm definitely um, interested in getting more information on that this week. And also, I just I, I want to dig into more of the university's testing capabilities. So I think it's going to be a lot of testing news this week. Yeah. Were you surprised um, when it was said that these results can come back in 24 hours? Right. I wasn't surprised. I mean, the testing times have kind of been all over the place. Yeah. I mean, initially, the health department said they were going to get test results in six to eight hours. And, you know, we haven't really been seeing it happen that quickly. But, you know, with a research lab, I don't know what kind of resources they have. I'm actually set to interview some people tomorrow afternoon on that. So hopefully I'll have more answers. But it does seem like I think what surprises me more than the time or the turnaround time is the volume because I feel like 2000 tests a day. I mean, that's, that's more than twice the number Oklahoma has been able to test so far. And I know a lot of that's because of, you know, reagent shortages, but I mean, that's, that's a huge uh, disparity for capabilities. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, definitely will be interesting to track. We know you're on top of it. Cassie, how many times in the last couple of weeks have you have you been convinced yourself that you've had the coronavirus? Have you <laughs> have you gone down that hole? I mean, are you like me? I've probably a couple times a day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to take my temperature, and I have. I've taken it a, a couple of times. I'm I'm symptom free. Just put that out there. But uh, um, this is a stressful <laughs> well, so time for a lot people, of people who are, are stressed about that, right? Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a totally legitimate and good thing to be, you know, worried about. I. I haven't let myself go down that hole too much, but you know, I have been paranoid multiple times a day about maybe not showing symptoms and possibly getting other people sick. And you know, it's a scary thought, you know, like spreading a virus around and not knowing you're spreading it. And I, I feel like there's a lot of paranoia and a lot of unknowns because, and I know I talk about testing all the time, but I think it does you know, how limited the testing is. No one really knows how many people have it. And I think that's kind of fueling it for me a little bit. Yeah. Well, you're probably a lot more rational on, on especially on these, these health matters, uh, given your, your beat. <laughs> Every time I leave the house to go do some reporting or like tonight going to the press conference, mm -hmm. my wife is always kind of like, are you sure you should be going out? Is it safe? And I'm like, oh, it's fine, honey, relax. And then I like, I walk outside onto the porch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should be going out. So <laughs> Is it okay? <laughs> yeah, should I should be doing this? So, but, uh, and you know, the governor acknowledged that in the press conference today. This is a very mm -hmm. high anxiety time. Um, so I think it, that's, that's, a, that's infecting a lot of people too, right? To use that language. I mean, beyond mm -hmm. just the actual testing positive of it, I think a lot of people right now are just infected with a lot of anxiety and, and, and discomfort. Yeah. I mean, naturally, I mean, cause you know, I think part of it too, you know, it's, there's so many unknowns cause we don't know how much this is going to affect the state how many people are going to get infected. And then I think part of it, it's, it's scary to hear officials, you know, use words like unprecedented and uncharted waters. And I think that just creates more uncertainty and more anxiety in people. I mean, reasonably so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and that anxiety may go up this week as we see more positive tests. But once again, more tests means more positive tests. Important to keep that in mind as we go forward. Well, Cassie, I'll end like we have on our other conversations, asking you for your bright moment of the week. I'm going to go first, and you, you, you gave it to me. A, a, a video of your new puppy, which you referred to oh, in a, a episode, a, a <laughs> chewing on your laptop. I'm sure our employers maybe weren't as thrilled about that. If that was a company laptop, but I brought, it brought joy to my life. I am so glad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Walter. He's 10 weeks old and he is a mess. So as you saw in that video, he's just in the chewing phase. So he is chewing on everything. Yeah. Um, well, since I already gave my answer as Walter earlier, and this is like, I feel like my answer is the longer I'm self, you know, social distancing, my, my answers are slowly getting sadder and sadder. So today, you know, it's just, it's been such a crazy week, but I think my bright spot today was the mass amount of laundry hmm. that I got done. Yeah, that's a great one. So, <laughs> is you, it? No, I, I think it, I mean, you, you feel accomplished. You feel like you got something I done. I do. It's just, not... it's, it's so weird, you know, being stuck in the house all the time. So it's, you know, at the same time, you're working a lot, so you just have to kind of find those moments for yourself, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's a great answer. I mean, not that you need laundry to feel accomplished. You're, the number of bylines that you've put out over the last week and or two weeks <laughs> is, uh, is a, a testament of itself. And on that note, great work the last couple of weeks. I know 
we may not even be halfway through or whatever. We're just still, still some ways to go. But, um, you know, you've really been on top of this. And, and you know, that obviously it's not just me. I think you've gotten some praise on social media. And I think uh, I think you're doing just a, a, a great job. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm just really proud of, cause you know, we're a staff of five people. So I'm, I'm really proud of what we've been able to produce so far. And I hope we can continue, you know, producing at this capacity and hopefully, you know, if we can inform some people and help people and hopefully, you know, ease their minds a little bit, I think that's great. Definitely. Well, on that note, I mean, you're obviously we're also keeping track of of tests and numbers and kind of the daily turn of the story. But, but, you know, we're also set up at the frontier, you know, to dive into, you know, to stories that, you know, maybe other outlets wouldn't have the ability to do or to kind of really find that impact story. Now, you've you've tweeted this out a couple of times. We actually have a Google form that readers can kind of fill out if they've got some coronavirus related story ideas and just maybe some tips or suggestions or or, or questions they have that will you know, can really, you know, inform our reporting, right? Right, right. And I've gotten, you know, we've gotten some really interesting answers on that from healthcare workers, from patients, you know, just other people in the health sector and outside of the health sector. So, you know, and you can stay anonymous on that forum if you want. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we just want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear stories. We want to hear experiences we're just trying to, you know, look at this from angles that we haven't perhaps thought of before. So, um, yeah, that's on my Twitter. It's on, I think I've attached it to a few stories. Uh, there's a few places you can find that. Yeah, definitely. So check that out if you've got some ideas or uh, some tips you'd like to send our way. Well, Hey Cassie, uh, um, get some rest, uh, another long week ahead of us and, uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, Ben. Take care. You too. You can find more COVID-19 coverage at readfrontier.org. Yesterday, I wrote a story about the role schools play in the lives of students beyond education and how the statewide closure of schools was separating some students from critical services such as therapy, healthcare, and meals. School districts all across Oklahoma are working to feed students during this closure, including through the use of mobile food sites that offer grab-and-go meals for those students who rely on schools to provide lunch and breakfast. That's going to do it for today's episode. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you on Tuesday. Thank you.